Welcome to the Hardwood Hustle powered by PGC Basketball. We believe in the value of a coach. We're here to educate, empower, and encourage you to lead like never before. Managing your players' expectations as well as your own can be one of the toughest tasks as a coach. This week, we discuss underlying factors, challenges, and solutions to help you turn the corner in this area. Let's get started. All right, welcome back to the Hardwood Hustle. The full crew is here today with TJ, Lisa, and myself. And some of our best conversations, maybe some of our best podcasts, guys, are what we talk about before we press record. And today we're going to talk about how to manage player expectations as a coach. All players that we coach have expectations and coaches have their expectations. But how as a coach and a leader, do you manage your players' expectations? TJ, you want to start us off with some opening thoughts? Yeah, um, I that's why I came to this one, Sam. I thought you had the answers to this one. I um, Look, here, here's the thing. If I'm being really transparent, like this is sometimes the reason I want to walk away from coaching. And it's also the reason that I recognize coaching is probably more needed than ever. Um, we're just dealing with a different situation. Um, and, and it's I'm not even a blame it on the kids, but I think there's like social media parents They're you know, they've got people that tell them they're the best thing in the world, you know, so, and they're, and if we're being really honest about it, like they're measuring, am I getting a scholarship? Am I scoring points? Am I like not every kid, but way bigger majority than it used to be. I can tell you that for a fact are measuring off of things that are sometimes uncontrollable. And so what we have oftentimes is unmet expectations, you know, and those cause gaps and problems. So players have certain expectations of playing time, points, scholarship, whatever it is, everyone's got a different expectation, but the number of times that falls short is a lot. And so then you have a lot of people who are disappointed. And as a coach, we're not even thinking like that. We're just thinking about what do we need to do to get our team to win and play together and play hard and be a good team. And um, unfortunately, I think there's a lot of minds thinking something else. And that's why the job is so so many times so hard because you're managing, you know, um, unmet expectations almost daily. Yeah, well said, TJ, you know, and, and to give context again to our listeners, if you're first time you know, Lisa coaches at the the Power Five Division One level. TJ's, you know, head Division Two coach. I, I spend a lot of time at the grassroots level. And as we share war stories, one thing we recognize, you know, Lisa, you're coaching females. TJ's coaching males. I, I coach mostly males, but do spend some time with female athletes. But the reality we've come to realize is we share whether we're coaching a 20-year-old or a an 18 or a 13 year old, there's a lot of the similar stories that we have, you know, Lisa, what do you think to just go a different route? This question, like what are most players expectations? Do you think, are they common or are they all over the map? Oh man, Sam, I think, uh, it's, it's good to know the answer to this question, right? I think we talked about it on a, a podcast saying, I don't know. And I think learning what are your players' expectations, having real conversations with them, getting to know them and understanding, are they saying what I just want to hear? Um, Do they really want to win? Do they really want to be a good teammate? 
Do they really want to sacrifice for the good of the team or do they just want to score points? Do they just want to get first team? Do they just want to, you know, build their social media following? Uh, Do they just want to make their parents happy? I don't know. I think there's a lot of kids who don't even love basketball, who are just really talented, who, who end up at the highest levels. And it's really sad. And so I, I think that obviously they want what gets praised. I would just say I think the expectations are they want to feel good. They want to play basketball and feel good after the game, whether that's points or rebounds. And I just think, unfortunately, it's not coming from the – foundation, the, the internal, you know, uh, intrinsic motivation of I played hard. I just want to become the best player I could be. I want to become the best teammate I can be. I want to become more coachable. I want to become more disciplined. I want to grow in the ability to take accountability for just myself and ownership of my development, whatever that is, because that's what we love about basketball is that this game can do that for all 15 players. And the reality is, is like there's only a few of them really getting that even out of the experience anymore. It seems like I just want this for kids and for for parents even too, just to like to really get the what this game can do. And so I think just setting the expectations. Yeah, sure. It's all over the map. But I just think it's it's what gets praised that people want the points, the accolades, the feeling good, because we just rely so much over this game to make us feel good about ourselves. Yeah, and you and TJ both speak into that. It's like, as a coach, you you love coaching for a few reasons. You love it for the impact you get to have on people and players. You love it because of the competitiveness of it, like going to work every day and practicing and working on something. You get to go test it in a game and see, you know, is what we are doing, you know, all this work going in the right direction. Like, that's a lot of fun in coaching. And sometimes if we're not careful, like, when all of these players, you're coaching 12 or 15 players and they bring their 12 or 15 different expectations into the room, into the gym every day. And it's really hard to meet all 15 of their expectations. So what does that leave you? It leaves you maybe seven, eight, 10, maybe 12 of the 15 are unhappy with what's happening. And then you as a coach are dealing with, a majority of a group who are not pleased with their role. Now, this is where really good coaching comes into play of like building a culture where you do get people to buy in. And, you know, we'll unpack some of that, I think, as we go. And, you know, TJ, you, you've done that well. And the culture you've, you've fought so hard to build, you know, over your time. But right, even in a strong culture, people are unhappy, People, you have unmet expectations. And I, and I will share a story. Y'all asked me to share this story that I shared with you all that I, I had with a young man and his mom. But before I do that, any anything you want to say off that? Well, I would I'd say I just reiterate, like, you know, even in a good culture, like it's really hard. And, and I would say even in a good culture, it's even harder because there's so many days I wish that I just came to practice and managed personalities and expectations and just coached my team, you know, just be like, whatever, it wouldn't bother me that much, but like in a good culture, I think you try and get to the root of it. You know, like, I mean, it's even with my 15 year old daughter, like she really loves basketball and it's like what she likes to work hard at, whatever. Like it is a challenge for me to help her unwrap her identity in basketball. And, you know, we wanted to put our identity in the Lord, 
but to help her to understand like it's not just basketball. But even though no matter how much we preach that, we don't hire trainers and, you know, do all the other kind of stuff to like put her identity in there. But like she just really wants to be good at it. And so she puts a lot of her emotions and feelings into it. And so I, I know I just know how as a parent, that's just hard to do. And I honestly I probably run into more parents that aren't trying to do that than are. I think most parents are like actually boosting their identity in the sport, which is a problem, which makes it harder. And so when you really try and get to building a culture and a team, like we have really hard moments. Like I think today is going to be a hard day for us, like a very hard day. Maybe next week or two is going to be very hard for us. Um, but you have to weigh out whether it's worth it or not, because we're having to unwrap and, and, you know, our identities a little bit. We're having to um, talk about unmet expectations, you know, like, all, and that stuff's really hard, especially when you get to the root of it. I mean, I liken it to like, look, if you, if you have a, a struggling marriage and you want to fix it, you're going to have to go deep. You know what I mean? And it's not fun. And I think most people would probably, you know, one easy, either take the easy exit, right. Or two, sweep it under the rug. But the hardest one of all of them is to go to the root of it because there's a lot to unpack and a lot to unwrap and it's a lot of hard work. And, um, you know, and I, I, you know, and being truthful, there's a lot of days I wish I didn't have to do that work. Like, gosh, this is going to be a painful day, but you have to decide like what's most important to you, you know? Yeah. And, you know, one of the most common expectations that players have has to do with their performance on court, probably playing time and scoring. And the the two questions that get asked when you're since you're a young kid or a young kid goes and plays any sport and they go and they they meet up with their grandparent after the game to eat ice cream. The grandparent is going to say two. they're going to ask two questions. The first question is, did you win? The second question is, how many points did you score or how many goals inside or how many touchdowns? Like so we, we put up heavy emphasis on those points. So I was sharing this with you guys before we press record. There's a young man I met with, you know, recently and his mom and could tell that he was very roller coaster emotionally and, you know, mood wise at practice and games. And so had a meeting with him and came to realize like all I didn't come to realize I knew this, but I, it was affirmed after I met, which is all of this focus and energy is going to scoring points. And so sitting down with the, with the mom and the kid and I said, you know, hey, so and so, you know, you have a game later this week. And, you know, at the end of the game, if, if you if you scored 20 points, would that be a good game? And they said, yeah. I said, what about if you scored 19 points? They said, yeah. I said, 14 yeah. I said, 11. Yes. And then I said, what about nine points? And they said, maybe. <laughs> and the point was I was intentionally doing it that way, not as a gotcha moment, but as like a real understanding. So we could score nine points or we could score 11. So whether we made a layup or missed two free throws, and that would determine whether it was a good game or not. And this is for a uh, to give context, this is like a middle school age kid, but I would say there's probably some transfer to the college kid. If a kid scored 20 versus 11 or 15 versus nine, and I think so many players are putting their 
their identity back to TJ's word, their identity on how many points they score or whether they started or, or this or that. And it's, it's a fleeting, it's a fleeting attachment. It's a, it's a very um, empty attachment that's going to leave you empty a lot of times. And so as coaches, we're trying to build up young men and young women to be grounded in something deeper and stronger, Um, you know, whether that's spiritually or whether that's, you know, like, be consumed with the team, be consumed with being a great teammate, be consumed with giving your best effort. And then the stats are the stats. They'll come there. What either one of y'all or both of y'all have thoughts on that approach I took with that young person. And would you take that with a college player? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a really good point. And it's just, it's, it's just reality. You know, it goes back to the unmet expectations. Like it's you, what you did is bring to light that, you know, it's not based on, and I think this is the thing that's disheartening is like, I don't know that it's intentional, but I mean, if we were to be, ask our kids, like how many, how many kids are happy to sit on the bench of a team that wins, right? Like not many, right? It's like how many are happy to come off the bench if the team wins? Like most of their expectations are they want to start. And if we're being real honest, what is the expectation of most starters? Probably more points and better scholarships. Like they, it, 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 it's like it's like a a chase that never ends, right? It's just this like ever ending circle. And so, what does really bring us joy in the game of basketball? Like, what what is it? And you know, the the sad part about it to me a little bit is like those of us that have been through it, and we've had the hindsight and the experience of it in twenty twenty. Like looking back, like man. It, all of us would just give about anything just to suit up and play again. You know what I mean? Like just to be out on the court and all of us probably miss most is like the teammates and the camaraderie and the fun. You know, I remember that Boston college kid a few years ago, what are you going to miss the most? And he was like, probably the meals, you know, like he was crying but he's like, I'm going to miss like being with my team. Like I'm just going to miss the, the, like that feeling. And I hate it because I think a lot of people are missing out on that feeling or they're or they're not living in the moment of understanding what's really going on. Like you're around people that are pulling for a common goal and you might never get this again. Like your job might just be you and you in isolation. Right. And then you also might be on a team that it's just about money. Right. Like, I mean, if we think about it as adults, it's not that different sometimes. Like, you know, is is this team pulling for a goal of making the business successful and do whatever? Or is it just like going for a raise? Like we've all worked with a lot of people where it's just about the money and it's just kind of the equivalent of it's just about the points. And look, I, I think both have always left me empty. Like it's like the people you do this with, like that's what matters, like what you're pulling for win, lose or draw. Like there's something about being in the battle with people you love trying to go for something and even losing together is not that bad. You know, and that what's hard is a fractured group, a fractured team, not the same direction, you know, because we all know that probably no amount of money is really going to change that. You know, once you make a million, you're going to want two. Once you make two, you're going to want three. Like it's, it's the story. I mean, it's it's as old as the Bible, right? Like this just goes on and on and on. And, and that's to me what's really hard. Cause I just want kids to experience that. Like, I want them to know that like, man, you might never go on this road trip and be in this hotel and have the chance to do this again. You might never like whatever it is, whatever the experience is, whatever age, 
And I'm afraid we're missing that experience at the expense of our expectations and what we can get out of it. And TJ, just what you're saying is it's making me think too, I guess a little bit about what I originally said, just like what gets rewarded. You know, we're having discussion as a staff too. We want to, you know, keep improving our culture and we got to talk about it every day. And I think sometimes we, you say, don't talk about it, be about it. It's like, whether it's basketball IQ, we, we got to watch film every day. We got to get better. These, if they're not where we need them to be, then it's got to be an everyday thing and an everyday investment. And like you said, TJ, it's hard work. And I think sometimes we shy away from like, oh, we just want to do it once a week. Oh, we just want to do this five minute thing. And I think if it's as important as we say it is, we have to make it a priority. Take 30 minutes out of practice if you have to. That's how important this is, that we address it, that we teach them, that we mentor them, that we we change their expectations and we show them how being a part of a team is worth more than any championship. I'd rather lose, you know what I mean, with a team pulling in the same direction, sacrificing for one another, loving one another, um, and growing as people. Like I think we'd all want that. And guess what? That's probably going to learn uh, lead to winning more games. Like We've said that before, but I just think um, – celebrating those things. Like if we have to, our team social accounts, we don't post about points anymore. We only post about, I don't know, taking charges, being a great teammate, bench energy. I think if it needs to be drastic, let it be that way. Because I think we have to be so counterculture to what we see that it it can't just be the same old. Like I'm just thinking of trying to find some solutions here because this is, this is a real thing for a lot of coaches. Lisa, you brought what you brought up about like what you post on social media. I've been saying for like years here in Atlanta, like there's so many people that cover Atlanta high school basketball and, and, and it's really good. But what it does is all I see on a timeline is like so-and-so points, points like every, I'm going to create a, a burn, not even a burner. I'm going to create an account where I just go around and I do that. Hey, so-and-so talked on defense and help side the whole game. Uh, hey, number 43 was on the bench, never came came in the game, but gave 14 high fives, right? Like you're like giving all this credit to all these intangible things that need to be reinforced in our culture and not some of this other stuff that's clouding kids' minds. I don't, you know, and it's, there, there's real science behind this. Like what's change of expectations today, 2023, Versus 2013 or even 2003, like what's happened over the last 10 years or 20 years where all that? Well, I'll be quick on it. Like one is there's more options. Like my my mom worked for the same organization for 35 years. Okay, working with with troubled kids and troubled families like very few people hold a job for that long anymore. Why? There's just more options where we can, we can move around. And I think that that trickles down from adults all the way to young people. Like if the transfer portal is real, like if you are a backup, if you're a freshman backup to a senior, everybody in your family and your trainer back homes tell, not saying, Hey, stick it out, keep growing, keep, Built, they're saying it's time to go. It's time to transfer. It's time to go somewhere else. So there's just more options. Sometimes that's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. That's not that. That could be a good thing. Then there is a microwave. Uh, we we do want things now. So those two things do not play in. So 
we don't know how to work through adversity. And I think you guys shared that some, like when adversity strikes, are young people learning how to work through adversity or are they just getting, they go to the next thing. And so that's a real life skill that needs to be taught too. But I think, I think those two things probably lead to greater expectations. The more options in the microwave, I do believe lead to more expectations, which makes ultimately what we're saying, a coach's job harder. And I think things being more public too. I mean, I think social media and that has, has definitely changed things, you know, the desire to like want to, you know, get likes or whatever. I mean, we've all heard that story many times, but that, that is very different than 2003 for sure. And probably even 2013, um, like that, that wasn't even in my vision as a high school player or college player, you know what I mean? So we were, we're older, so we didn't even have that as a thought, but you know, um, there's that once you get it, once you get liked, once people see you on social media and, you know, you scored this or whatever, like you long for that, you know, I mean, and that's not that's necessarily on kids because I don't think that's that much different than adults. You know, like we may be, you know, trying to put out there, we want people to think we have the perfect whatever marriage or the job or the whatever, you know, there, there's enough been said about social media. So I don't mean to, to I'm not trying to like put it down, but I'm just saying that is a major difference than you know, 2013, definitely in 2003. So how on that point, yeah, we, we, I think we even did an episode on that, but it's worthy of noting that it is like even adults, right? It's like there, there's moments happening, but we're so, we want to pull out the camera to capture it so we can make sure we put it on Facebook and create this, this persona around us. So that's not just a kid thing by any means. So that being said, you have these greater expectations as a player your players. So we we have mostly a lot of coaches listening, like what do you do to combat that or work with it? Or yeah. How how do you, how do you work with that? Well, I I would say this, this is why coaching to me can be so hard is because so many times we're in the business of planting seeds and not always being able to see them come to harvest. And so that, that is tough because you know, you want this kid to understand their identity is not in basketball. You want them to put the team first. You want them to value the things that are going to be life lessons for them, whatever it is. And it is very hard for them at 14, 18, 22, whatever, to to see that. It's just very hard. And and so they might never see it until it's all gone and all done. And so, you know, because you're the only one oftentimes with that voice. I mean, their teammates feel the pressure of social media and they're whatever. They feel the pressure of their parents hiring these trainers and they got to get this. They want to scholarship and they get it. Like there's, you know, you're, you're, you're the voice opposite of what probably 75, 99% of the other voices are saying to them. And so, and you know what's, I mean, this is tough. We've all experienced this in life too. It oftentimes doesn't really make sense until it's like taken from you or it's over or, you know, something in life comes up or till you have your own kids or whatever. And that is the hardest thing about it. You know, like I think, like I said before, we would all love to suit up again. You know what I mean? We'd all love to play again. We'd all and we'd probably all do it a little bit different if we could, knowing what we did from our first go around and in, in, in playing. But that's hindsight. And that, that's where I think is the one of the most frustrating things about coaching. Not every time does you know this to be so true and you know this to be so important in their life. But oftentimes you don't get to see it come to like where it matters until later in their life. 
And so let, let me say that. So TJ, you do this some with your team because me and you've talked about it. But I think the, another thing is it's really important. Find out from your players what their expectations are. But to do that, you're going to have to create a safe space for them to be honest. Because sometimes players tell you what you want to hear. And so whether that's figuring out how many minutes do they expect, what do they think their role is, what uh, I think those are two big ones. I think also, hey, what happens when you don't produce, you don't perform, or you don't get the role that you thought you were going to get and do? Like So basically when adversity hits, what, how do you think you're going to show up? Right. I, I think those are important conversations to have before and then obviously during. And that helps, I think, with managing expectations. But even when you do that, it doesn't it's not a full bulletproof system either. Yeah. And most of the time they think it goes back to basketball. Right? If you're having issues and problems, we know that there's so many things that can be fixed off the court. But most of the time, players and coaches just think it goes back to basketball. You know, like it's I'm going to fix this by making more shots. Or I'm going to fix this, you know, something like that. And and uh, that's where we're talking about just avoiding the root of the problem, where most of the time our biggest problems in sports are, are deeply rooted in something besides just performance. On the flip side, coaches often have expectations of players, like whether it be effort or what type of teammate or coachability, those things. And oftentimes Coaches don't clearly articulate their expectations. And then that's why you're frustrated. Like we're saying be a good teammate, but we haven't really taught them what that is. We've said we expect you to be coached, but we haven't taught. Like, so I think that it goes both ways there. Yeah. My gosh. I was just, um, I think a hundred percent are, we have to manage our own expectations, Sam. Um, and to what TJ was saying, I was thinking of a little exercise that coaches have done. I know in the past where you have to outline, you have all your players with a sheet with everybody's name on it and you map out how many minutes you think every player should get. Oh, well, Johnny is the starter. They should, you know, they should probably get this much. And, you know, so-and-so is a senior and they lead us in rebounding. They should probably get this much. And you go through it and they have no concept of how many minutes are even in a game. You got 300 minutes on the sheet. That's not how this works. You could do it with shots. How many shots do you think you get? Do you think everybody should get the same amount of shots? Or you think the kid who plays 10 minutes should get the same amount of shots as the one who's going to play 30? I think just that's just realistic. I could We could really break them down with that, but I really think we can just be honest. Like, this is the game of basketball and what it looks like. Uh, but to a couple other solutions or things that I think we can do is making sure that when we talk about it, like I said every day, that our players were – letting their voices be heard and we're not just talking at them, you know, that they really come to buy in and are saying that they want to be accountable for some of these things that are in our culture um, and using their voice to contribute, but then assessing and evaluating everything. Does everything we do align with our culture? You know, are the questions that I'm asking my players, I was thinking about, you said, Sam, after a game, grandpa asks, you know, did you win and how many points you had? And I think the next one is, well, did you have fun? But when is it about, it's not about what you get out of it, but what you give. Hey, were you a good teammate? You know, how did you, how hard did you play? How much effort did you give to the game? Like, those are the questions I want to say. Did you get better? Right? I was just thinking, what questions can we be asking that really, again, align with our values, our coaching, our culture? And then I saw another tweet on um, this, like, last week or so about a coach who, I think it's either every game day, I just thought it was really great. On the wall by their locker room, they have – 
players fill out a sheet celebrating one another. Today I'm celebrating Sam because he gave great effort in practice or he's been um, showing up every day and doing extras. And just them, it was just a wall of teammate celebrations, which again, I just thought, okay, that's moving that group in the right direction because they're seeing more than, again, just the points scored. Um, They're getting celebrated by each other, which we know means more than sometimes coming from the coach. Well, Lisa, I, I coached a kid a few years ago, really, really good point guard. And he was a, he's a very good facilitator, distributor, good leader, just really good high school player. And I noticed this was during a um, AAU season during the spring. I don't know, about four weeks in, something changed. He started like hunting his shot, taking some bad shots. And um, I was like, man, something – it happened for two or three games. So, you know, I'm like, all right, we got to have a conversation. So I'm talking to him before our next game. Well, what happened was – and, th- like, this is a good kid. This is like a good family. This happened. Like, his dad told him he'd pay him 20 bucks if he scored 20. If he scored 20 points in the game. Well, but but, like – I think that happens more than we think, whether it's a parent paying money or or whatever it is, or just saying or a person outside putting undue pressure on them doesn't have to have any financial, you know, attachment. I think that happens a lot. We again, we are so fixated on points. And to your point, I made a commitment when my kids were younger, I was going to ask them, you know, I think it was three questions when they were younger. Did you have fun? Did you give your best effort? Were you a great teammate? Leave it alone. If they want to talk about some other stuff, we will. But let's let's just focus on those three things. Yeah, I mean, I I think those questions probably aren't asked enough, right? And I I just um, we're in a competitive environment where we want to win, and everyone wants to do well, and go out there and play well and compete well. And I think it's just like, not, they're not, they're not attached to those things. Like, I mean, I do the same thing with my kids. Like, listen, what kind of teammate were you, you know, like what, and they, they get it. My kids get it and they're good teammates, but at the same time, they still wish they scored a few more points. Right. You know? And so like still trying to knock down those expectations is, is, is work. And, um, you know, it's a, it's just such an interesting thing, man. I feel for coaches and I talk to coaches all the time and and I know this battle is real for them, you know, like figuring out like, how do I make this happen? How do I get through? Um, you know, and it, if we're being really honest, it steals a lot of joy from coaching, you know, from, from going out there and because yeah, we all want to win. We we're competitive. That's why we're coaches. But at the same time, there's nothing more disheartening than playing with a team that can't answer those three questions. Well, you know, did you play your hardest? I mean, they're probably always going to give you the token one, you know, but like, did you, were you a great teammate? Well, yeah, I was a pretty good teammate. Yeah, I like, man, but, but how fulfilled would you be if you walk off the court every time and you're like, I was a phenomenal teammate. My effort was maxed out. My you would, you, you got to feel good about that. You know, you, and you should feel good about that and should be celebrated by that. But I just don't think the answer to that question often is yes, yes, yes. You know, and then there's still this, you know, that unmet expectation. But I think most kids, if they can answer yes, yes, yes to those three questions, would have some level of satisfaction in what they did, even if the points weren't there. 
Yeah, and, and to put a bow on it, like, and I tell this player, play, tell this to players all the time. If you give your best effort and you're a great teammate, you're going to have fun. And you're also going to take all the other crap, all the other pressure off of you, and you will be who you are. Like, if you're the scorer, you'll score because you're giving max effort. If you're the uh, point guard and distribute well, you'll do that. If you're a rebounder, whatever it is. And so I think we need to remove that. Like, when you go lose, I say lose yourself in competing, great things happen for you. Great things happen for the team. And let's remove all this other noise that's going on around. And so, coaches, we hope you were encouraged by what you heard today. Uh, we know you're all, you know, fighting a fight. And a fighting a fight doesn't have to be a negative connotation. It's a, a fight and a good fight. And so, hit us up. Let us know what you think on, on social media. Give us feedback. We love hearing from you. Um, player expectations, how to close the gap. We are the Hardwood Hustle. That is Lisa and that is TJ and I am Sam. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of the Hardwood Hustle, where we believe in the value of a coach. We also want to make sure you know about our coaching resources and freebies available to you at pghustle.com. We have a workshop, a Reading React masterclass, and effective practice planning tips to help you enhance your coaching. Get started at pghustle.com. From the Hardwood Hustle team, thanks again. We can't wait to be with you again next week.